Greetings and welcome to the Fisk Community Show. We are a group of internet randos brought together by a shared appreciation for lively discussion, considerate disagreements, and irreverent humor. Follow us on Twitter at Fifth Community. Find fellow seditionists by using the hashtag Fifthem, and follow the Fifthem Club on Clubhouse. And as always, in the words of Camille Foster, be brave, call bullshit. Let's just be loose with it. Let's just be fucking loose with it because this is going to be a rap session. It's going to be a struggle session and we can just, uh, I think, it, I think it'll be worth listening to as such. I'll, uh, let's cold open this thing with just the like, Hey, um, you know, if the reality is like, this won't work. Like, so we're the fifth column community show, but like the reality is like, if the guys don't get anyone except Jacob Siegel, then if they get like Eli Lake or they get Noah Rothman, it's all going to be wrong. Cause all of these fucking people are wrong and they're wrong for a lot of different reasons. But like Siegel's the only one that's got like a clear delineated vision from A to Z. And these guys are like stopping it, you know, D and then they're freaking out about, well, what happens with Iran and Pakistan? It's like, okay, you're, you're, you don't understand that Afghanistan isn't even a real country. It's literally like a, it's, it's just a, a series of people that ended up in a geographic place that some British cartographers put on a goddamn map. That's yep. what it is. So yep. that's what it is. So don't ever like, Oh, we're going to nation build in something that isn't a nation. That is absurd. And and there's a bunch of people that have that, but like, to me, there are two main stories uh, right now. One is, how did this happen so fast? And two is the exfil of the people that we want back, right? So that, those are the two stories. Um, there's one question, which is, what is the future of Afghanistan going to be? And then there's two bullshit stories, right? So one is the media coverage, um, like media covering media that cover Afghanistan, which is bullshit because none of them have ever gotten it fucking right. Like at a certain point when you're all wrong all the time, you can't complain that the other person is more wrong. Cause it's like, no, you guys have all been fucking wrong. You've been wrong from like day, day 90 and you can't claim some authority and let alone the right to criticize somebody else because, Oh, they're more wrong than I am. It's like, no, I'm done with it. Like the media cover yep. media thing is old. It's bullshit at this point with this particular topic. I don't care. Like you guys have all been wrong. It doesn't matter what party. It doesn't matter if you have like a, a you, you try to be objective. Like Glenn Greenwald, I think of as like a guy who's always trying to like has his thing and does his thing his way. He's still yep. wrong. He's colossally yep. wrong on this in a lot of ways. And, and that's it. Like that's, so I'm just done with the media on media bit. Like that's it. And, yeah. then, and then the last one, which is bullshit is blame. You want to talk about blame? Pick your president, right? Like, what it, it was kind of fucked up when we went in in terms of like 2001, the execution. The why did we end up sticking it out there for that long? Why didn't we go across the border and chase down Bin Laden? Tommy Franks is in Jawbreaker talking about how he didn't send in a Ranger regiment. You know, so there's there's fuck up one, right? There's a colossal fuck up right there. Then you have Obama clearly d deciding that I, it, this won't go bad on me. 
He took a lot of steps to make sure it didn't go bad on his presidency. Then you have Trump, who basically rolled in in 2016 saying, hey, we need to get the hell out of there, which is the right answer at that point, right? There's no Bin Laden's dead. There's, there's, the, the Afghanistan isn't, you know, how now we're debating about how material Afghanistan is to our future. And, and I just don't see an argument saying that, like, we need access to the Afghan uh, transit from iran to pakistan i just don't see any reason for that uh and then but but the thing with trump because here's the blame part like he spent four years trying to get us out of there and he's you know oh, we have 2500 people or you know 5,000 people at any given time in afghanistan they're conventional u.s forces because i'm going to get to the big punchline at the end of all this shit uh which really just lets kind of the Taliban creep up. And that's like, they, like they, they, everyone's like, Oh, we've been winning for the last four years. Like, no, Oh no, no. They've been gaining a ground. They've been gaining authority. They've been making deals and working stuff all over the place. We just like, they knew we were leaving. So help you out. Right. Like, you know, they're not going to put a ton of pressure and make a, a big old giant racket knowing that you're on the way out they're gonna just incrementally yep. do their thing because they've got the time and now they know they've got the time so that's trump blame and now you have the biden blame which is mostly in my opinion the fact that of how we left you know this is turning and well it was immediately a disaster his reasoning for it is it's going to be messy which yeah i get it i from for a 70 something year old man to just order generals to like we're going to leave afghanistan he knows it's just going to be bad but he doesn't understand you know how bad it's going to be um in retrospect we know that the commanding officer leaving in july was a clear portent of things to come right like this dude resigns a, a month before things go really bad Okay, so clearly there's some operational planning stuff where everyone must have, someone knew that it was not yeah. going to go well. So there's Biden's blame, really. It's not that he got us out, it's that it looks horrible. And then here's the big punchline we're not really out of there, and we won't be because the nope. CIA still got its stuff, man. There's still a huge spec ops operation <laughs> in the northeast part of that country and it ain't going nowhere cuz the the Tajiks is the Tajik controlled area. They're not they don't want us out out all the way. They want us to be there to give money and guns. And guess what we're going to do? We're going to give money and guns cuz we like that spot. So yep. this idea that, that, that which gets to the future of of Afghanistan, that people have this idea that the Pashtun Taliban are somehow going to run the show. This just began, right? The post-American Afghanistan thing just began. And you can already see the Taliban freaking out about, hey, we have Kabul. Well, Kabul is a very Tajik place. It is not Pashtu. It is not. They do not get along. This is not going to be like some copacetic thing. These are tribal nations that don't like each other. Really long thousand-year histories of problems. So you're not going to get some like monolithic Taliban state like they had in the 90s. That's over. The Tajiks don't suddenly disarm. No one suddenly loses all these guns, all these weapons. As a matter of fact, and then you get into the kind of the, the, the slightly conspiratorial stuff, we just made sure that in the Asian step, there is a massive amount of NATO weaponry that can be picked up. <laughs> yeah and what what kind of you know what could that do i mean look at that location folks like if you were to like try to like if you wanted plausible deniability of like why you know hey why didn't at4 round end up you know like 
assassinating some dude in Iran. Oh, there it is. Like there, they've got all this stuff now. They've got all this NATO equipment just floating from China to Turkey that can just do whatever it needs to do. <laughs> so, you know, the, the questions I have about the Biden stuff to kind of bring it back to the the bullshit is: Were they did they make decisions um, that were directly counter to advice from the CIA and DOD? And did CIA and clandestine make decisions that like that? Like, hey, it doesn't matter if you guys leave a bunch of firearms; we can make that happen. We can make that work for us. Because that's a, that's a big deal, right? Like now we've created this situation where like you have amazing level. Because here's the fun fact, folks. Like for people that don't understand this, if you and if you want proof, go back to Charlie Wilson's War. Go watch the movie, and he talks about hey, we need to find Russian arms to arm the Mujahideen because we can't have them showing up with American-made weaponry in Pakistan and in Afghanistan at the time. So you have to have that like ability to move these weapons around. So now you've created a situation where you can literally say a javelin, you know, rocket launcher just magically showed up at, and you can make it. It's a, it's not a lie. It could really be true. You know, it just magically blew up that dude's car at you know ten thousand kilometers out. Totally, totally yeah. did it. So, so what's the what's what's the one? Because you talk about the lot, a lot of the media on the media. What is the one narrative talking point that you've seen the most? That's the most wrong. Well, the most wrong is the 2,500 people were holding Afghanistan. And we could do that forever. Like, that's the Eli Lake thing. That's the, like, uh, I've heard, um, like, it was on Freed Zakaria yesterday. And that's just colossally wrong. That's just absolute ignorance. That That's, like, ignoring what we've done for the last four years. We told them we were leaving. And when you tell your opponent you're going to leave, your opponent doesn't suddenly decide, like, you know what we need to do? We need to put up the pressure so they leave. That's not what you're going to do. Why would you waste the manpower? Why would you get more people killed if you know the other side is going to walk out the door? It's like, you know, it's like you're going into the fifth round and you're an MMA fighter and the dude literally is just going to stand in the corner and you're up and you're up. You're you're up on the score. You're not going to push the fight. Why would you? Yeah. Exactly. You're just going to take punches. You don't want to do that. Just, okay. He wants to hang out over there. We'll just, you know, put the arms up and I'll just keep you away the whole time. That's it's, yeah. it's, it's silly. It's, and it's childish. Um, it, it literally shows that like these people that have supposed experts have no idea like military function. And, and frankly, part of it, I think is that they can't see the middle East outside of the Iran Israel problem. So to them, it's like, well, we can't have Iran get, you know, have a, have a, whatever they think they're going to get out of Afghanistan, which I, I still don't know. I'm unclear as to what our interests are with Iran regards to Afghanistan, because that border isn't, it's not like Iran, Iraq, where there actually is a lot of stuff that's going on there. That border in Afghanistan and in Iran really is not, it's not some big center. It is not a, a thing because there is no real reliable way to get stuff from you know, the easternmost city in Iran all the way to like, uh, you know, somewhere in Pakistan. Like, it's just not reliably safe. You're going to be paying a lot of money. You're going to have to have a lot of security to get anything from, you know, from that part of Iran to Pakistan safely. And you ain't going to be able to, you know, and if the wrong people don't want you to do it, it ain't going to happen anyway because you're going to get shot. Yeah. Um, No, whereas, whereas the border with Iraq is like, 
geographically, you know, they're just so different too. Yeah. The, the, the logistics involved with moving people across those two different types of borders is, yeah, I don't, I don't, yeah, there's more, infra the more infrastructure too there, but yeah, it, it's, it's exactly. Yeah. One of the things that I always like that, that's just perk, perk, perks me up every time I hear it is like, you know, 300,000 is the number, you know, this is the size well, of the Afghan. Yeah, I mean, that's this bullshit. We all, everyone that was ever there knew it was a total, like someone like, Oh, we we're counting 300,000. Like you maybe have 50 at any given Ex moment that are actually there. And if you like, that's just, that's how it's always been. The Afghani math yeah. has always been like, you multiply by 10 and you get the actual number. Like, Oh, the Taliban yeah. has, uh, someone said the Taliban has like only 70,000. You're like, they probably have a little more than that. I'm just gonna say because because they just don't the the math the commander math I mean people gotta understand like army commanders especially would never tell the truth and uh, this gets to something that I saw from again Siegel talking to Representative Meyer which is really interesting because Meyer let slip what I think was obvious from the beginning which is that the administration did not trust the army brass to tell them the truth on Afghanistan. Yeah, I think that I think that's a big deal. And you know what's really fucked up? They're right not to trust. The army brass to tell them what's going on in afghanistan because they're not you know there and i'll get into it there, there's a reason why all these like petraeus and mccrystal and all these guys were like just muddle along muddle along because as long as you muddle along we don't have to show you that we just totally catastrophically failed we don't you know it never becomes apparent and and it it, it totally like and I don't ever I've not bought the fact that they didn't know from a training perspective, you know, as they're training these like if you're on the ground and I've spoken to people who were part of those training teams, uh the you knew they knew that as soon as something turned, if they were to lose a re they were going to drop their guns yeah. and they were gonna say, Not me, bro, I'm not on their team because well, they did it out of a completely self interested reason for 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 you know they wanted they wanted a, a certain level of stability and they're gonna they're gonna side with especially in the rural areas like whoever gives them the least amount of shit that's who they're going with because it's it's a simple type of what it's medieval i've described it as medieval and people have taken offense to that but the, the way that those it's yeah a feudalistic, feudalistic society absolutely that's yeah they, they 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 vow there's a value that they place on a strong man a strong man applying well, their pressure. Well, you're thinking about it too much. Like it's, it's not relying on the man. It's just relying on the power dynamic of the groups. It will. Yeah. Yeah. That. Around. And it doesn't really, the guy honestly is interchangeable. It's like the other mm -hmm. people that are in it, but it is, it's a feudalistic society. You know, I mean, alliances are made by marriage. People don't understand that they do shift frequently. And a lot of people find it very uh, surprising that they do, but it, it does happen. And it does matter. Like Dostum, who i mean they got video of them going through this guy's house which is he's impressive the cia really really built up his kabul home really well um but yeah <laughs> he, he's, he's got a nice house um but that dude has shifted sides like more times than like more left turns than nascar man that guy is like wherever he needs to be he'll be and you know what he will fight for you for a while him and his men will fight for you for a while but mm -hmm. he will you know make that left turn again if he has to um, 
and that's the that's that's an alliance structure that that they've had there. It's not a new thing, and, and it is reliable in the sense that, like, yeah, you can get these guys to fight for a while. But the problem we had in Afghanistan is like when I got there the first time in 0506, the ANA wanted to fight. By the time I came back after, like, they got really kind of rocked because between 06 and 08 when I came in back. They had the big thing that happened in Helmand. They had the big stuff that started kicking off back east because the Taliban finally managed to regroup in Pakistan and came back across. They got rocked and in a big way and found out real quick how well or really not so well they did against the against the Taliban. That 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 and I forget what tribes the Taliban make up, but I think it's the Bark Bob. Bakani, but anyway, not. I'm going to butcher it, and I don't want to be too wrong. But you have these tribes that are in, that are Taliban aligned, um, that had just regrouped under Pakistan, and they rocked the dudes in the ANA in between. So I came back, and the ANA clearly was done. They didn't want to fight. The only thing that was different was the uh, the intelligence support stuff from Tier One. Uh, which is one of the tier one assets in, Spe- in SOCOM, had trained up all these commandos, which honestly, here's the other thing. They did the commando push that like, hey, we're going to get guys in, in you know, Pashtun, Afghans, train them to like tier two operator level. We're going to do it. We're going to, you know, whatever it takes. But they did that concurrently with like the ANA getting like smoked in combat. So you li- think about this. You took dudes out of the ANA, the best of the best, you pulled them to these intelligence-trained tier two-level units at the same time as like what was left, which was not very good. A- well, not very, I should say not very good, but the ANA that was left is not the top. And then you match that like you know conventional weakened force against a resurgent Taliban that's freshly financed from wherever they get their money, which is a whole other question I have. From and the Pakistanis have, have obviously equipped them somehow, and they get their ass kicked. And in that one year, it was, it was like night and day. Like, boom, okay, we have a competent ANA that's trying to get better with people that are, you know, these guys are working hard, trying to do stuff. To okay, they're done. Like these guys are already done. Like we can tell that they don't have it. They don't. They're not going to have it, and they don't know what it's going to be. And they're all high. That was the other thing we noticed. Like it went from like the police were the only ones doing drugs in Helmand Province and <laughs> RC South to I'm on RC East and now everybody's doing all the drugs. Like they're all high on something. And that's in just one year, folks. Like the one year difference between like 0506, OEF6, and then OEF7 happens. They have all the stuff happen with 10th Mountain in, in Helmand. They have all the stuff happen in the East. And then OEF8, we get in there. And that's, I mean, that's, that's probably the most violent. I think it got for us, and maybe the most violent. Well, not the most violent. I think for the ANA, I suspect it got worse after that. After the in, maybe in the surge time, it was the peak for them. But uh, you know, OEF seven was or, or Operation Enduring Freedom seven was the worst it got. I think in the stand, and that was when they were yeah. dropping. You know, like all the bombs were being dropped in the Korangal Valley. Like seriously, like half the military ordinance of stuff dropped that year, or three quarters or something like that was in the Korangal. Because they, the Taliban needed that, and they needed to prove that they could do stuff to, to the U.S. military. And they did. They, they did do some really, at, at great cost to them, they did a lot of stuff to, to us in the, in the Korangal. Um, and that, that, but that dynamic, just in terms of the troop thing, shows why, I mean, we all knew in 08, like, 
this is not going to last. Like the ANA will wilt. The, the Afghan Border Patrol doesn't. It's a joke. I don't even know why we even tried to create a Border Patrol. It should all have been the Afghan National Army. I suspect somebody at some level has a reason why we even had an Afghan Border Patrol. I'd be curious. It just seems like you're further dividing resources. And then the police were, you know, they're supposed to be cops, right? They're not meant to fight the Taliban, not really. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, we all knew it was going to wilt. We didn't know it wilt this fast. And and honestly, I was surprised to see like Lashkar Gah held out longer than Herat. That something I would never have thought of. That's to me that like Lashkar Gah and and Helmand was. First off, it's not really Taliban because they had they had their own fight with the Taliban going on before we got there because well they make all the opium and they like selling that opium, and the Taliban of course is like well it's a drug and you can't sell it, and they said well we make money off of it so we're gonna sell it and they yep. were having a low low intensity conflict over that for years before we got there, and that'll persist too so that's another thing that gets kind of the this is just beginning. <laughs> For, for Afghanistan, <laughs> the American media won't cover it, but you know this is just you know this is like the opening two minutes of round one in, in an MMA championship bout. It's got another four rounds to go and one minute left in the first round. So I don't uh, I, I don't see how i mean and the, our media is just you know they're, they're just screwing it up i i don't see how they're they're gonna oh well you know it, it's like people are trying to defend biden and people are trying to like impeach biden over like leaving and i'm like well we had to leave at this point we had to leave and you know if if there was ever any doubt that we had to leave this should prove that we had to leave because literally the, this in force we invested so much money in and so long they've been training and things like that just wilted inside of 60 days i don't even think they made it they didn't even make it to the 31st uh drawdown date um with american air power like we didn't just stop bombing them and then you have you know ashraf ghani leaves the country like he's been gone for two weeks now right <laughs> he just the president's like yeah you know it's not that big a deal his cousin get or his nephew gets a picture snaps a picture of himself for his instagram getting on a private plane headed out of kabul i'm like what a wow i mean that's what you backed i mean that was that's that's the the thing like that was who we were backing we were backing like ashraf ghani is a lake oswego oregon high school graduate like the dude is not He's not. He's not an actual Afghan. They don't view him as an Afghan. Yeah, and it shows. So, so what's what does the U.S. do moving forward? What does our role look like if you were if you got slapped in 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 the highest office of the Pentagon and you actually got to have your opinions be heard and acted upon? What what do we do? Or and and also, what do you think we end up doing? Because we know that you're not going to get offered that position. No. Uh, well, what we're going to do, uh, and I mean, some of this is going to be the same no matter what. But what, what's going to happen is the following: we're going to do what we can to fix this fuck up, um, and I'll get to that in a minute because uh, this this national disgrace disaster. Um, but you know, tactically, what's going to happen is the Pakistanis are already like pushing a Northern Alliance meeting. <clears throat> with the Taliban, the Pakistanis are already going to stop like supporting him because they're surprised at how fast the Taliban suddenly like pops up and gets all this stuff. So the, the Pakistani interest in, in Afghanistan 
which is never stated explicitly in any CIA book, but it's very clear to anybody who's ever been there that Pakistan wants a semi-minor conflict on its eastern border uh, from you know from Kabul all the way to Herat. And they just want some low-level instability so they never have to look at their eastern border and can keep entirely focused on whatever's going on in Kashmir and India. They do not want a stable they, they don't want a too unstable of Afghanistan. They would prefer not the mid-90s. They want somewhere that they don't have to worry about and if they're lucky, make some money off of. That's what they want. Uh, yeah. That that's it. That that's that's their ideal solution. So they're already gonna start pulling money away suddenly. These Taliban guys that, you know we haven't been able to find or, you know, Oh, well, you know, hiding are now going to you know end up in Pakistani prisons or shot or whatever, you know, they're going to do their thing. Um, it's a very similar playbook that Iran and the Saudis and the Gulf have with Iraq. And well, but, that, but, that, but there's different, there's a difference there because like the Saudis have, you know, 30% of Iraq and then the, the Iranians have 60 because I mean that, and that's the game. Like now, they they, they yeah. don't advertise it, and they let Iraq kind of like do its thing. But they have no interest in shifting that balance. You're right about that. Um, but it is definitely an Iranian ally, ultimately, and everyone knows it. And that yep. was that was our big error in going into Iraq. But but Pakistan's interest is much more like they want. They don't have a competing interest. Like, there's no like Pakistan and Iran don't have a real rivalry. They, you know, they don't have a. There's no like with the Tajiks. The the Tajiks are the only interest there. And Tajikistan isn't going to suddenly like jump in and be a major player with Pakistan too much about yeah. let's take over Afghanistan because it doesn't work, folks. You can't take over quote unquote the nation of Afghanistan because you're going to run into the Pashtun areas and there the this weird little tribe that sits in the mountain step and. It's they don't really have like allegiances going either way for anybody because it's their own little world, it's their own little feudal thing. And as if you haven't noticed, they they win every time. <laughs> so I, I mean, I I don't even think Genghis Khan beat them. Yeah, like, I th and there's some story, you know, famous stories about the barbarism he used. And if Genghis Khan ain't gonna beat you, and he, I mean, he literally you know took towns down to one person so that one person could tell the story, you're not gonna lose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, no, there's something to be said about about those regional powers that there's, like you said, that low level of instability that works out for them because it means that they can focus on things that matter more to them because yeah. regional power is they they there's an understanding that there can no there 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 won't be regional hege hege hegemony. In any of those, like you said, British cartography designed nation states that exist because it's it's just not it's not something that's gonna happen until humanity evolves to the point where we we're not tribal anymore. It's just I mean it's not gonna happen it's just not gonna happen because they don't have the resources to to achieve it, frankly. Like this yeah. they're not gonna like the Pashtun also don't have that international ambition i mean there's a reason why 16 of the hijackers and 9-11 were saudi the past you don't care they're not interested in what's going to happen which gets to the like kind of your question about what what's going forward so you have the pakistanis who are going to push for low level instability uh confederacy basically in afghanistan you have the northern alliance who's going to want um kabul because they see kabul as part of their thing and the taliban is also going to want kabul so here's the question for both of those regional entities 
if you're the Taliban, do you want to take on the Northern Alliance over Kabul? Because they have more guns than they've ever had before and more money and Air Force and uh, and personnel. And I'll get to, to again, this kind of goes back to the, the tragedy um, than ever. So you'll fight over that. Um, and then for us, we our nature, you know, we're going to keep something in Afghanistan um, for counterterror um, because we've discovered that, you know, we can put a base that close to China, frankly, and that's that does matter. Um, yes, there's not that much in Western China, but now you, you have something that can do something like, and that's, that's how it works, right? Like this is a lever we can keep relatively cheaply. We can keep CIA, we can keep, you know, parts of SOCOM in rotating in and out of country relatively safely and keep something in that spot, which gives us, uh, you know, frankly, just some leverage, some place to play. We have Daesh. ISIS is in Afghanistan. The Taliban has shot and killed a lot of members of ISIS and Daesh. It is the one thing where everybody around there agrees can't have them. So, you know, there's going to be some low-level communication between all the assets involved in, in that area to make sure that that never becomes a thing. Because you can't have ISIS in the central step that brings in like India and China and the U.S. Yeah. and Iran and Pakistan. They don't want that heat. Yeah, no one wants the heat. No one, yeah, no one wants to find out that like they've got all of a sudden you know twenty thousand Daesh fighters moving through their country. That's just not something that's okay. So you have that steady state, and then uh, you know, so for us, it's it's a CIA base over the long run, and then you have what's going to happen to the Pashtun people. And that's, you know, it's going to be different than before. It seems like the Taliban have changed their tune on a few things, but I mean, it's going to be a rough place. It's not going to be fun for women. Um, and I, I, and I want to be clear about this because I, I, I see a lot of like the nation wrote a thing about the, why the feminists were wrong to want to invade Afghanistan in nine, after 9-11 and how people have you know varying thoughts about how bad it'll be for women. It's going to be really fucking bad. Right. Like it changes from place to place a little bit, like smaller towns. Um, honestly, women have a little bit more freedom because hey it's only so many people that can do the work so if you're a woman in a smaller spot in like southern afghanistan you you can be outside and do stuff and talk to people and things like that you go to cities like goresh uh musakala kandahar you're a dog if you're a woman like it's a it's it's (laughs) one of the first things that you'll hear when you get to talking to people to interpreters and stuff is one of the big things the Taliban cracks down on is that like women talk too fucking much. That's like, that's like, that's like the thing. And it makes all everybody laugh. Cause it's like, haha, it's kind of funny, but because it's kind of true, but they crack down on that shit. They don't, you don't get to talk to somebody from some other household just cause you're a woman and they're a woman. That, that shit does not happen on the regular, the way a lot of people seem to think. It's not like you don't go to dinner and the wife gets to talk. That ain't yeah. how it happens. You know, grandma can have a few, can have a few words here and there that's that's about it and that's if there, if there's a grandma grandma gets some respect but it, 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 it's bad i mean it's it's one of the few places where like if you're a woman and your husband dies yes the property goes to you but you are the property of your male heir or your or your male family member if you don't have a male heir and that's how it is it, it is not it's, and it's gonna it's so it's it's different it's a different thing yeah i think a lot of people think it is i think a lot of people go with like a more traditional sharia law like kind of even like a really conservative brand of a hobbyism isn't what the taliban does they do a very uh, 
it's not just patriarchal it, it really is like a, a new thing it's uh, it's its own unique identity it's and a, it, it's it, an it, ultra misogynistic sharia wahhabistic like, you, you have a bunch of different things you can throw at it in terms of definition but it, yeah. it's, it's not it is not anything that you would recognize from a book it's its yeah. own thing and you have to kind of see it to believe it because again like they don't to be clear about this they don't just let women congregate and talk like that's a rare thing like there is there won't ever be a susan b anthony of afghanistan because they would have beat susan b anthony to death in front of all the women with like a club like that's what they would have done and that's what they will do to anyone like and it will do it every time too there's no level of shame about it that's how they're going to view it again your freedoms for a woman really depend on if you're in in southern afghanistan because this is where the pashtun really are depend on how rural and and how much work needs to be done because yes if they need the work all hands on deck like any frontier society in history if you'll get more respect you get more leeway because hey there's i, I you want me out here to do this i have to be able to do this the end um, yeah that that's that's it if you're in a city though and, and and you're in there that they will like to have people like the worst thing for a woman is going to be to be caught outside doing something they're not supposed to do and have one of like the religious police take you to your husband because it's not going to end well and you will always be married at it by a certain age like there is no not being married I mean, it's it's rough. So for women in Afghanistan are going to have a very rough time because you know they say, oh, according to Sharia law, they don't mean that. They mean according to their Sharia law, like according to the way they've interpreted it for a couple hundred years at this point. So what about what about like places like Kabul though, where you're seeing more and more, you know, firsthand accounts and and narratives of women in places like Kabul? Do you see? the Taliban in places like that where there will be, because you're never going to get, there's never going to be a widespread understanding of those rural areas just because the ability to penetrate them with journalists and get recordings and, and to have an understanding is, is not going to be great. Whereas there will be an international eye fixated on like Kabul. Well, Kabul Kabul, well, Kabul is different than Kandahar, right? Like it has yeah. a Tajik presence. It's going to have a different setup. So there'll be different rules. I mean, they do they do do the different rules for different places thing. Yeah, and you know that's what it's going to be. Now, if you ever get outside of Kabul into the part again, that's why I say southern Afghanistan, deeper Afghanistan, Pashtun Afghanistan. That's where all the bad shit is going to really go down because the Tajiks have a different. They have their own Sharia stuff, but it's a different slavery they did their own thing and honestly i'm not that familiar with it because i was mostly in the south and in the east almost <laughs> exclusively with pashtu but they do it different and you can tell because you can you can visibly tell when you're around tajiks like they the few times you, you see them like oh that is definitely not a pashtu like they have a different thing um you know and this goes back to the other thing with like what are they going to do about kabul if they want to have peace if the taliban is sincere about having peace then they're going to have to come up with some kind of sharing agreement for the city of kabul and frankly the the rest of the the country because the huge part of it is not them it's not it's not pashtu it is tajik so they have to make a deal 
what's that deal going to look like? I don't know, but they're not going to get the Tajiks out of their part of the world. That's not going to happen. That but they mm-hmm. were they were having a hard. They hadn't done it yet before we'd gotten there. They just had you know famously just executed Masood, assassinated Masood the day before nine eleven. But it that's over now. That ship is sailed. They could spend the next hundred years doing that stuff, and we'll still be pumping money and guns into the Tajiks. And the Tajiks have a whole country called Tajikistan, and they're not going to you know suddenly stop producing people that don't mind going and fighting it out in Afghanistan to you know get some more land or protect dirt or whatever. It, it, so the past year, the Tajiks are going to have to work something out. Uh, that would be my advice to them because it's not going to go their way. And and this gets to the big question, right? Like how mod, how much are the Taliban going to be moderating their behavior to achieve peace? Because that's the thing. And this gets to the, the next bit. Like right now, there's kind of a general amnesty, is what they call it, in Afghanistan. It seems, from what I can gather, to even include former American interpreters. But you know who it doesn't include? Former CIA trained special operating commando Afghans does not seem to include them. In fact, they seem to yeah. be very much hunted, and their families hunted, and things like that. Yeah, because um, there's a con- there's a there's a level of conversion that's different. I mean, it, it, yeah, I mean, and this gets to the thing. Like, I'm not the Taliban is frankly right to not want them around, right? Yeah. Like this is people yep. that literally fought on the other side of your war, took another country's position. So they're going to hunt those folks. Now, those folks also are clearly motivated for whatever reason to fight the Taliban and they're very good at it and they have plenty of space to go and if they can get to Kabul, which is again part of why they are hunting these people down is because that those folks are going to go north. If they can't get out, they're going to go to the Northern Alliance. They're going to fight with the Northern Alliance, and they're going to kill a lot more Taliban. And they don't. The Taliban can't. You know, don't want to deal with that. But that gets to the thing. Like, yes, the Taliban are right to not want those people in their country. Yeah. So we got to give them somewhere to go that they want to go, and that's where we get to the real tragedy of all this, which is watching this incredible just disaster of an exfil. Of how to, you know, and we had, it's not like we hadn't done this before. We did this in Iraq. Yeah. We yep, got out we of Iraq without this kind of a problem. So, how do we fuck this up? How do we give away Bagram in the middle of the night and just show up one morning and then all of a sudden, oh, we can't get people through Kabul? I'm like, yeah, you, you gave up the airbase that we owned, that we had locked down. Like, that there was no, there was, it was ours, baby, and you ain't going to take yeah. it. The, secu- the security of Bagram hasn't been in question i don't know if ever ever like ever 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 ever. and you know so it's it's this it was just incredibly bad decision making it was incredibly poor planning to like kind of half-assed get the interpreters out at the last minute i mean we've been talking about this for years at this point it's been in new york times stuff for years how did this magically you know get fucked up and that's that to me is the thing where like we need to find out what happened, who knew what when, and who we need to fire. Like because people need to lose their jobs. I don't know how people that in in the army department of the army in particular get to stick around after this shit. I mean, like there's some and not just for no, they get book they, deals, they get book deals and contractor gigs and they, consulting gigs. Yeah. Gigs. So, well, that's fine. Move them out earlier and save us all some pension money because, yeah, those guys, there are some, and girls made some massive errors in judgment. And I, this goes back to, I want to know, did the CIA, did DOD, did civilian people in the Biden administration make decisions to try to get them out of there faster that 
were like, oh yeah, give up box. Give you know, did they say that? Did like some sec secretary staffer from so and so's Senate office tell so and so in the White House, hey, we got to get rid of Bagram, so let's just hand it to him in the middle of the night and not really tell anybody, and then they just everyone scoots up north and we pretend like everything's fine. That was a great idea. Yeah, the only thing that I can think of with Bagram is like someone, and like you said, not a political, not a not a military leader was like, where is the one place where we can make the biggest reduction in in our manpower? the quickest and obviously shutting down Bagram is that one place, you know, yeah. but uh, other than that, I can't understand. That Which, would be the only reason that I could think of why. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's the thing. Like if you haven't gotten everyone out and you're still planning to get everyone out and you made that as part of your plan, that's it. And then to get into like the JD Vance and Ben Shapiro and, and the <sighs> Laura Ingram, I got to say it just because I see all this nonsense about, oh, we got to get our people out first. Let me explain something to you. If you're a U.S. citizen, you can always get back here, right? Like, they're, you're always going to get pushed to the front of the fucking line every time. So there's, frankly, a lot of NGO people who don't want to leave, who see how bad this is going to go and are trying to be safe, but they don't want out. They just want to yeah. move, do their thing in country. So that 10,000 or so American citizens that are there, they're supposedly, quote, unquote, stuck there, it's probably not that many. It's probably... I don't even know if it's any at this point. Because again, if you're a U.S. citizen and like the Taliban hassles you, that is not worth it for them. Nope. That, that is a very fucking bad idea that can only end in tragedy for them. They want mm -hmm. you out. So if you want to be out, they're going to kick that door as wide as they can and move you through. They might search your car, might rough you up, won't be a party, but they want you gone. Yep. <clears throat> and and it, their real concern is is the 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 uh, the Pashtuns. So that like they yeah because no they don't want to be fighting an insurgency but that's that's exactly right they don't want to deal with that they don't want to deal with that betrayal yeah no and and that goes to why they're kicking out ISIS uh, that's why they have no they have zero quarter for Daesh because that's another insurgency that they don't want to deal with they they're not even worried about any particular sort of religious or ideological you know, crossovers and agreements that they may have, that is a chaos agent. Because we've talked about this before. There is, the Taliban exists in a diplomatic space that ISIS does not. Well, and I mean, that's as much as, yeah. That's exactly right. Like they have representatives in Qatar. They, they want to be acknowledged in official you know, in, in official ways by Russians. I mean, they used to have a, an ambassador famously that came to the United States in the nineties. Like they want to be taken seriously as like an independent nation inside of the world framework. They're not trying to reestablish the caliphate from which to rule everyone else. That is a Daesh thing. That is not their thing. And you know, that that's, that's it to me though. The, the, the question we have is how do we leave 30,000 people back in Afghanistan that work for us who are now, justifiably fearful that like at some point this amnesty stuff will end and then it's like hey payback payback is coming and absolutely uh, you know and that's and if it's not payback at a minimum you're looking at like a place where you're just not going to make much money like your quality of life in afghanistan under the taliban will be much worse <laughs> this should be very obvious to everyone than it was yeah. with like this loose although an incredibly corrupt government but they were all about you know somebody's making money right so some something was happening 
Um, and that's only and that's only for the people who are going to be sufficiently capable of scrubbing their history. Yep. Because it's not going to take a very thick thread to justify for the Taliban to justify accent somebody because of their fears, like you said, like they're very, you know, in a utilitarian sense, rightful fear, and you can't blame them for wanting to snuff out any potential seeds for insurgency. Well, and, and so. I mean, they're going to, because they know they're going to have some kind of a fight, right? Like, I, I, I yep. mean, we don't, we're not privy to this, but it seems apparent to me that, like, and here's the, that the factions of the Taliban that make up the Taliban, because the Taliban itself isn't even its own monolithic uh, mm -hmm. setup without its own competing interests. <clears throat> we don't know what they want inside of Afghanistan. We don't know if they're willing to accept, like, some kind of sharing deal with Kabul. We don't know if they're willing to accept. The CIA base that is almost certainly somewhere in the Northern Alliance section of Afghanistan. We don't know what what they've done, what they're willing to deal, and how they're going to approach some of these things. We don't know what they're going to do in Herat, which has a huge Tajik presence. I mean, if they decide that they're going to, you know, eliminate all the Tajiks, they're not going to yeah. go quietly. So, and you talk about, and you talk about too about the equipment. If if You'd think that any forward-thinking planner would at least not leave all of that shit there just to not give them the idea that maybe they can do the things that we're most afraid of them doing, trying to coalesce the entire as much of the region as they can. I mean... <clears throat> I mean, there's, there's something to that, but, uh, you know, so like the, this goes back to like, okay, so we have to give them, they have the Air Force, which is really helicopters and a couple of uh, ground support, I think heli uh, um, fixed wing, uh, non, just literally propeller driven aircraft, because that's a really good ground support aircraft. Um, F-29, whatever it is. Anyway, so they've got that kind of equipment. They don't have, you know, F-15s, they don't have stuff like that. They have pilots yeah. for that kind of equipment. So you have to leave certain stuff. But yeah, the question is like, why did we leave so much of it? It sure looks like a lot of the stuff was being stockpiled by the ANA and, and various folks. Um, why did that happen? And, you know, yeah, it goes back to my thing. Like, I could see somebody at CIA saying, hey, just don't worry about it. We gave it to them already. It's hard. It's going to be hard to get back, right? Step one, it's hard to get back. We don't want to actually drop bombs on the ANA to make sure they can't have certain pieces of equipment. So just don't worry about it. Uh, worst case scenario yeah. is we we find it useful. And then, you know, frankly, if we want to slow down the Taliban advance, give them our stuff. I mean, if you want to slow yeah. anybody down, give them American equipment. You want to know why? Because <laughs> American equipment requires a lot of maintenance. I was I was trying to make that point to some folks on Clubhouse the other day. Like, just because they have a couple hundred Humvees doesn't mean that they're going to be particularly that, useful. That, like, that, that's <laughs> the thing. You would much rather be driving around in some Toyota Hiluxes than trying to, you know, continuously maintain a fleet of Humvees that's going to be of any use to you because those are notoriously um, not that great unless you're pumping a lot of money into maintenance on them. That's, I mean, it's hard to explain to American citizens just how like mediocre our equipment is without maintenance. Our equipment is very good as long as it is well maintained, but it requires a huge degree of maintenance. Your Toyota Hilux turbo diesel in the middle of Afghanistan is going to last longer with less work on it than any Humvee we have. Even the light stuff, the way it was originally made without the extra 10,000 pounds of up armor will yep. break down more frequently than a Toyota pickup truck 
from 2005. It just that's yeah. just what'll happen. It's it's the M16 versus the AK47 model. An M16 is probably a better weapon, but only if you keep it fucking clean. Yeah. Whereas the AK is probably less effective, but you don't have to do much with it. That's I mean that, that yeah, I mean you have all of that stuff. Like that's yeah, a Russian made setup is gonna oh you didn't clean it well it'll still shoot the bullet straight and there's oh i've got an m16 like okay well you didn't clean it so it's gonna jam so that's you don't want that and it's not gonna yep. work out well <laughs> yeah no the the equipment that we that we utilize in the u.s military requires a great deal of discipline in a lot of different levels to continue to use because it's Mil that that old joke like what a what a, a veteran sees and what a civilian sees when something's described as mil spec yeah military <laughs> i have military grade weapons like don't insult my weapons my weapons are much better than military grade. <laughs> do not exactly. insult them with that 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 moniker like it's it's not okay it's uh, not high speed low drag no you, you just but yeah it's hard to convince people like what do you mean like it's not that good. I'm like, well, it really, it's good, but I have to work all very hard. In fact, I'd say like a huge portion of the training for soldiers is keeping that military, that military equipment in condition to be used huge. Yeah. And it's a huge time suck for everyone involved. So like, think about it. Like as a military, you're, you're spending most of your time, a huge chunk of your time. Let's not say most, but a huge chunk of your time, just making sure everything works right. That's a big deal, and and like I said, yeah. if you if you want to slow the Taliban advance down, give them Humvees, and watch them try to. All of a sudden, they can't go anywhere. Hey, this broke down. This doesn't work, you know. And that's that's what happens. Like the stuff that they have that's durable doesn't end up in the army or in the Marine Corps. It ends up in like the Air Force or in the Navy. Yep. Or like it's harder for them to you know just get a hold of stuff because if you're on a boat in the middle of nowhere, it is a little trickier to like. Oh, I need to get this part. We carry, you know, the army carries around just huge connexes of parts for like everything, everywhere yeah. we go. So, I mean, you have yeah. that, and it's just the the frustrating part for me, Sassy, has been watching just the shit show of people like coming on and like we need to stay there. Or we can, we can go back, and you know, we could have. There was there's an op, there was an opportunity, I suppose, for what uh, for a feint to use the technical term, but that passed. That passed pretty quickly too. If yep. we wanted to, like, oh, hey, the Taliban are out in the open, moving around. Well, hey, you know, let's uh, let's just redeploy a few folks and just run them right back into Pakistan. That was an opportunity there for that. Yeah, but you're and that makes me, and it makes you wonder too about about Bagram because even with drones and and things like that, they had to have known that as long as like, I don't see them even even if we had d dropped everything but Bagram the the idea of of like the concept of air superiority and how complete it is for us forces they had to have known like you said in 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 something of a faint you know we you can't be caught out in the open in large you know movements of equipment and personnel if there is american air power above you because you will not be long lived for this world no matter what you think their force level is, because it is, it is complete domination and giving that up at that point, once Bagram's closed and done, the fact that there was ever any idea of how quickly things were going to end is what boggles me the most, because I don't know how anyone who has any honest understanding of how things actually worked. And it doesn't take a lot. 
to not know that that was absolutely the expected outcome. Yeah, I mean, it's, um, yeah, it, I mean, to, to me, like, you had to know it was going to happen. The speed at which it happens was the surprise part, I suppose. But even then, bit. you should kind of know that, like, it wasn't going to be long. Um, and, and again, you know, Taliban had four years to prep. They had four yeah. years. They knew we were leaving. Um, you know, we were trying to, like, basically posture for more. We wanted, and, and the, you know, frankly, like, again, they have to satif- satisfy various components. So more, certain components were willing to give up more. Like, they were willing to give up Bagram. They were willing to give up other stuff. But, you know, like, they didn't. And we could have, I mean, we could have done it differently. Again, we could have done the faint thing. We could have, like, walked away and then come back because we didn't have a negotiated deal right like that's what makes it possible we could have said no you guys can sign on that line (laughs) and now we're going to kick the shit out of you for like a month and then go back but the reality is like we need to leave and we need to leave now it's over so we have to get out like there is no debate about where we're at we need to leave now there's no there's no nothing to be done as far as staying there that Yep. show for conventional stuff that ship is done we need to just get our people out the cia and and socom can figure out what they're going to do in the northeast to just kind of do their counter stuff with the pakistanis do their you know use it as a way to recon into iran i don't know what they got planned for that thing but it's got to be there and uh, there's yeah and, absolutely and, and let them hash out kind of those plans um at, at a different, that's a different discussion to me though. I know a lot of people will lump them together, but the reality is when you yeah. talk about clandestine versus conventional, like clandestine stuff, nobody is telling the truth anywhere. Like the French aren't telling the truth. The English aren't, everyone's doing something to somebody else for whatever reason they feel like they need to do it. So clandestine is like its own little world where you'll spy on your best friend just because you want to make sure they're still your yeah. best friend. So that's it. But with the conventional stuff, we just need to focus on getting our people out of there, getting the folks that helped us out of there. So nobody else is clinging to aircraft landing gear as it's retracting into the plane and falling to their death because they're crushed out of the plane. That's just, yeah. that shouldn't have happened in the first place. We should have known this was going to be a, a, yep. a problem. And, you know, I mean, Biden's thing about like, uh, we, you know, we t- brought this up with Ghani and they said, well, don't do it now because it'll show, it'll create fear. It's like, it's going to create fear. This question went. And you guys, you know, yeah. with, and to me, I feel like Ghani, frankly, sold his people out and made sure that, like, it was he got out, but that it was the worst possible situation for people underneath him. Because now, that if if, yeah. there, if there are people there that they're trapped, and they're, you know, if they get out, it's going to be rough. And then we have to deal with our own idiots who seem to think that we're somehow like, you know, kicking the missionary family that is in Afghanistan to the curb so that we can bring in, you know, like 400, you know, no name Afghans. It's not, that's not how it works guys. That's fiction. Nope. If, if the missionary wants to leave, they can get on that plane. They'll be first in line on that plane. But here's a fun fact. Most people that are missionaries aren't known for like grabbing their stuff and just immediately like fleeing out of the country. I'm sure a lot have, cause they realize yeah. like those folks, like proselytizing as, uh, the Christian faith in Afghanistan will probably get you killed. So you should leave. But maybe you're not. You know, I can tell you this: you, yeah. you'll, and, you'll, and, you'll get out. They'll let you out. They're going to get you through the through their little checkpoint and get you out of there. Like you said, like and and exactly just that. Like if if that if that person or that family wants out and they feel unsafe, up 
up until the point of the Taliban providing them personal escort to the airport, that is what will be provided to them. They will get out if they choose to get out at any point they want to. Like you said, they'll get they might get roughed up, but at this point, at least the parts of the Taliban that have a media presence and are willing to be spoken to and speak back internationally, they don't want that heat either. Yep. So these people who say, yeah. It's been, I the mean, people who say that, you know, it, it, it's yeah, it's one of those things. Like it's been mostly bloodless for a reason. The Taliban understands that the fastest way yep. to be done with this is to just get it over with. Get the fuck out of our country. Get out. Just get your shit and go. That's it. They want you out. And and the problem is that that will change at some point. That mass will change, and then it's like, okay, you're here. Yep. Game on. Proselytizing the Christian faith inside of Afghanistan is punishable by death, and we're going to shoot you in the stadium with your family with a nine mil mm-hmm. or a Makarov, you know, Makarov, whatever it is. And that's that's that. That's just that's it. So I'm gonna. Yeah. All right. So I think we did good work here because uh, we're gonna have to <laughs> cut it here soon. Yeah. No. No. Yeah. Definitely good. No. I, and just a button on it, like that. The point where that dichotomy starts changing, that 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 uh, the way when Taliban starts being the Taliban that we know and love them for, um, is when that those influences start as quote unquote infecting more of the people that they feel like belong under their power. So I wonder from just a self-preservation perspective, you know, the social justice types, just how much blood they're willing to let be on their hand uh, in order to advance something that's probably not likely to be great outside of the big, big cities like Kabul. Um, It's, I don't know. It's like you said, there's going to be a tipping point where they're like, no, we're done. And now it's our way or the highway. And if you're, if you're helping feed an insurgency, you're a terrorist and we have every right. We in our book to kill you. Yep. And there are enough stupid people out there. And I'm not calling the Afghanis who want a better future for them stupid, but for those who, promote them and seek to embolden them beyond what their capabilities allow for, I would say slow your roll and just be aware of what danger you're putting people into in the name of advancing something that doesn't have a great shot of being advanced at this time anyways. Yeah, no, they, they don't, I I don't know what to say. I don't, I, I, like when I hear them speak on this issue, I'm like, you're not even, you, you don't, you don't understand the, yeah. the dynamic that's or you just you're you're not on this planet you're you're playing inside the u.s identitarian woke politics <clears throat> world and what what you've got to sell is not something that anybody else is buying anywhere else yep all right I'm absolutely gonna, let me quit record bye everybody if you like this episode please rate subscribe and tell your friends my stuffies like this. They're gonna subscribe. <laughs>